Hello, thank you for joining us once again. And this episode is with Abby Sugar. One of the coolest names I've ever heard. Not only a cool name, but she's an amazing individual. Abby is joining us for this episode, and she's the CEO of Playout Apparel. Playout Apparel is one of the only brands in the world that creates gender equal underwear. Um, and the cool thing they do is they're a social enterprise. They donate 20% of net profits to LGBTQ plus and BLM organizations, and they're doing great work. It was in 2014 that Abby launched her first style, and since then, the company has made many, and people are really enjoying it. Great community to have, and Abby's a great, great person with great insight into business and LGBTQ plus community. So we're gonna dive into this one, straight to it. Enjoy, and I'll see you soon. Dream. It's one small step for man. I am the greatest. You want something? Go get it. Period. Abby, the first place uh, I would love to start is first. I gotta just say uh, much gratitude. We're finally here. I know it's been a couple weeks coming, but uh, I'm so excited to dive in. We made it happen. I'm really excited too. M- made it happen. So I would love to know. Um, where you're at currently with Playout Apparel. And then I would love to give people like an overview of what you're doing because it's so unique. And I've never heard of such a thing before. Uh, I got to know you. And then I would love to go to like square one thereafter. But I'll just totally. give you that first one there. Yeah. So, you know, I can introduce myself and I can give give people a little bit of background on on what Playout is. And then we can we can talk a little bit about mm. how it came to be, I guess, you know, the what Absolutely. and then the how. <laughs> um, so so the, the who and the what is um, my name is Abby Sugar and I am the founder and CEO of Playout Apparel. And Playout is a gender equal underwear and athleisure brand. So what that means is we offer clothing uh, to help anyone who really doesn't conform to the gender stereotype. But specifically, um, we focus on Gen Z because that's who understands this like new conversation. It's not a new conversation. Mm. It's actually just one that people started paying attention to because I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community. So I've been having this conversation my whole life. But the shift in society for greater acceptance, greater inclusion in, you know, diverse human beings is is really exciting. And so Playout offers clothing for anyone who doesn't conform to gender stereotypes to be able to shop for sexuality and gender expression affirming apparel. So mm. we do focus on underwear and athleisure and we offer sustainable and ethical manufacturing um affordable price points i like to point out because you know we want to be inclusive in who can wear what we make and um inclusive sizing as well so we go all the way from extra small to 5x which was really important to us and in our gender inclusion that means that there's no gendered shopping on our site so there's no men's or women's section Mm. and what's really cool about this is we've gotten emails, comments on social media from people that that want that do shop from us that are part of our community who say it's so ingrained in them in society to go to a store or to go to a website and 
even if they're queer, even if they're gender nonconforming, the first thing they do is look for the men's or women's section. Mm-hmm. And so they're really excited when they get to the to our site and, and they notice themselves doing that. And they think, oh, I don't have to force myself into this box anymore. I can just shop by the style I want to wear. And yeah, so, it's like a breath of fresh air. Exactly. And whenever we get these emails or these comments, it brings just a huge smile to my face. It's like, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, people will say, there's anatomical differences, even if not, you know, you have some some queer people that that want to pack or that want to tuck. And so we do offer different styles. So we have a pouch front version of our underwear and workout pants and leggings and a flat stitched front version. So it's just by style and wear whichever Mm. style you feel comfortable in. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's very unique, like I said, but it's very needed as you said before people can go to a place in which they're in an environment that they feel safe they trust and i would love to know uh if the problem for you stemmed from even when you were a personal trainer when you were at equinox or like when you were just training people because i see you have so many certifications like i didn't know that (laughs) up until recently (laughs) but did it arise then or did you notice it a little bit then before like obviously you created the gender equal apparel for play out yeah so the vision was always um athleisure and athletic wear uh because that we we sort of take our design inspiration my co-founder who's one of my dearest dearest friends e uh is very inspired by streetwear so bringing that streetwear sensibility into athleisure but to your question you know where we really started seeing the need was in underwear And five years ago or so, these direct-to-consumer companies or these indie lingerie brands, if you will, didn't exist. So the market was really Victoria's Secret, or it was really um, on the men's side to exist. Legacy brands are extremely gendered. And, you know, a few years ago before the indie lingerie became a thing, women's underwear was pastel pink flowers right um and men's underwear was like just what i like to call action oriented more bright colors bolder designs and it's like why why you know women are quiet and whatever um yeah yeah so the the inspiration really really came from that and uh five years ago or so there was the first ever um queer fashion week. And so coming from the LGBTQ plus community, you know, I'm really attuned to the hyper gendering unnecessarily, especially of clothes, right? And Mm -hmm. so it was like, well, why can't all genders have these types of clothes? Or even, you know, why can't sort of men wear wear lace and pastel? You know, why Mm -hmm. is it divided in this way? Um, So that's really where the inspiration came from the need. Yeah. So in, in that, yeah, exactly. Like the, cause I'm always interested. I know there was a need for you to create this, but I'm, I was fascinated as to if like you were in this realm somewhat and if there was any like um, cracks in which like you saw those needs come in. But I wanted to ask about that one fashion week you went to, were you guys the first ever like gender equal apparel yeah. to be presented there? 
So gender neutral underwear specifically. So like in queer fashion and in fashion in general, there's a lot of independent designers, right? And there's a lot of queer independent designers Um, in Mm -hmm. the mainstream and it's changing thankfully, but in the mainstream, you know, especially Project Runway and et cetera, you have a lot of gay male designers, right? Um, But queer women or non-binary people haven't been so visible um, just because society hasn't allowed them in, right? If you will, this is where inclusion comes in. And I want to ask about you in particular, like going into more of your personal side, like what was it like for you when you had to come out and like what you had to go through? Yeah. So I think there's, there's two parts to your, to, to my personal journey in this community and in this, in, in my business. Right. So the funny thing about the business you were asking about, you know, athleisure and being a personal trainer, I had zero fashion experience when I decided to start a fashion company. Like it truly came from this not being available and me being my, my own target customer and, and seeing this Mm. need. Right. Um, which I think a lot of really impressive companies come from. Because yeah. Which even, which even like, I know you were in creative writing. Yeah. All exactly. the great writers, they talk about like being a proxy to your audience. So yeah. like you were like, you're like you said, your target consumer and target audience for the people you wanted to help provide a solution to. Ex- exactly. And I also sort of being queer um, and that brings you to like the personal coming out or whatever I have no other choice to just be myself. And so I think that that mm. outsider approach to fashion actually helped me. I was like, oh, this is, mm. I'm gonna figure this out. Like my my personal motto is fucking figure it out. <laughs> I was just um, gonna bring that up. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit like, um, well, you don't have any fashion experience, teach teach yourself, learn, right? Um, and I was like, like many people, um, trying to start this business or trying to create my dream. And I still am while working one or two other jobs. Right. And it's only in the past year or two that that hard work has allowed me to full-time build play out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, even, even the best founders like Warby Parker, um, they started where they actually had a plan B and, Adam Grant at the time, the organizational um, psychologist and um, just a great professor at Wharton, like he even said he missed out on funding them because he was like, they're not going all in. They're not burning the boats. But it's actually <laughs> reasonable to like have one in, one out. You yeah, know? yeah. Or, or you, you know, you, you build it until you need to focus your whole time exactly. on it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and, and to the point of figuring it out, um, I also recently saw something with uh, – Justin Can, I believe his name is, who started Twitch. And he was mm-hmm. like, listen, I, like my my partner and I, we didn't even know how to code. Like they literally taught themselves how to code. And Twitch is like obviously an insane platform with so much developing going on behind the scenes. And for you, I was going to ask like, a major misconception that you see objectively with entrepreneurship now that you've entered it. Um, you were outside of it beforehand. Now you are within it. And you can say from like a third person perspective, like, all right, people have to make sure they do this when they're entering. So what would that be for you? Would it just be like the same thing with figure it out or would it be another point? Um, I think, I think the most valuable thing is 
being authentic and making real connections with people. Um, so I'm actually, uh, we're fundraising right now because we're a startup, right? And even before I decided to do this though, like I really, really love connecting with other founders. Just like, you know, the people that you're bringing up or the lessons that, that we learn from other people. Um, and it's those connections that they're excited to introduce me to their investors or something like that, right? Um, mm. So you can't build anything, whatever it is, whether it's a true deep tech company, whether it's an app, whether like me, it's e-commerce consumer product, right? You can't build anything in a, in a bubble, right? Yeah. You, you need your community. And so there's your startup community and then, and you need to seek out those people, right? Like attend these days of Zoom, attend webinars, right? That you're interested in. And what I, what I do, yeah, I mean, I'm terrible at social media. So anything new, I'm like an anachronism and I don't <laughs> actually, like I'm not on Clubhouse right now. Um, but I'll watch Reasonable. a webinar, right? And, you know, there was a queer women's founder webinar last summer for Pride, right? And I just looked the three presenters up on LinkedIn and I sent them a message. I said, thank you so much for taking the time to speak on this webinar. I would love yeah. to talk to you for 20 minutes about your founder journey, right? Um, and it's so yeah. valuable talking to people, just like what you're doing here, building a community. Um, and social media wise for our brand, it's all about community. It's all about authentic connection. So I don't know if you were able to check it out, but on our Instagram, twice a week, we, we have conversations with people in our community about important topics, right? So mm. last week, um, my co-founder E was spoke, was speaking with um, a pro-dom and queer black sex worker about censorship on Facebook and TikTok and whatever, because you don't have to be a, a sex worker to experience this censorship. You know, if we tag something, LGBTQ, we get shadow banned sometimes. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I even I even saw E story on your website of like her coming out uh yep. journey yep. and like everything she went through. And it's it's just like it builds tougher skin for you, but it's crazy to see how marginalized this category can be because it's somewhat undershadowed. I, like you said, it's not that it's not it wasn't known. It was just like, it's more potent now. It's more in well, the know. It wasn't, it wasn't accepted to be talked about openly in yeah. the past, right? Even just 20 years ago, you know? And I think we sort of keep flowing back and forth because my business is, is so personal. Like it's personally important to me, the community that we reach, the, the support that we get, but that we provide to our community. And even for me, you know, I, I come from a supportive family. I came out when I was 18, but, mm. and all of these TikTok videos or these Instagram stories that you see of, of kids in high school or middle school even, right? Who are able to come out and share these videos to support or inspire other people on the internet, right? Because their parents were okay with it, right? Or it's an easier thing. Mm. Even even watching those when you come out, you have a question, right? Like, you know, your parents love you. And I don't think, I think sometimes if you think about it from an adult's or a parent's perspective, it's not about, you know, 
being homophobic. It's more about they had a certain conception of of you as a as growing up, right? And and having a family in a certain yeah. way, which of course is changing now, right? Like gay families, gay parents, uh, adoption, in vitro, whatever. Um, but you know, society has certain expectations and they want you to have an easy life or they want you to be happy. And so when you come out, you're changing that narrative and it's a little, it's not a little scary. It is scary. That's so, that's so true though. Cause one thing with communication and even like Don Miguel Ruiz and like the four agreements talks about it. It's like, don't make assumptions. That's number one, like just gain clarity where with this in particular, it's like people already had preconceived notions. So it's like, how do we slowly, um, widen the gap and just get people to understand. Yeah. I, uh, I was going to ask for you in particular, I was going to ask about a customer question. I'll get to that in a sec. Cause I, it's actually really important, but what do you think people can do most? If you were to say like vanish all skills or, and people have to relearn the most important one right now in particular with this category of LGBTQ plus mm -hmm. community mm -hmm. and accepting others, like what would that skill be? for all to learn. I think you exactly hit it to not make any assumptions about anyone. And that goes for gender, sexual orientation, race, size, like mm. don't put preconceived notions or, or assumptions on people. Talk to them, you know, be open to conversations. Yeah, and then talking about that, you have to talk to your customers about the apparel. You probably have to get feedback on certain things. Absolutely. What's the most surprising thing about your customers? Ooh, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, because I mean, it's it's feedback is like important. Sometimes you have to to be on edge of like, what do I take or what do I don't? But it's just so critical. Yeah, yeah, and it's probably so yeah. surprising at times for a founder. Well, not necessarily surprising. There are a few things that we want to do or that we get feedback on that we just hope to grow enough to be able to do that, right? Like for example, um, there's, there's two part of our community. One is uh, our underwear is underwear it doesn't provide specific support or structure or tucking ability, right? So we have a, some of our community being um, female to male trans men that want underwear that, that they can attach their packer to, right? And I mean, I talk about crotches all day, so this is nothing to me, right? <laughs> um, and I'm like, yes, I wanna make those the minimums that our manufacturer needs to do a size range from extra small to 5X and then a number of units in each, like we're just not big enough to be able to make those yet, yeah. right? Um, and so that's one side. And then the other side being um, like panties that you can tuck with. So uh, male to female transgender people who want that also, you know? that provide that support and structure. Mm. And the more in any apparel line, the more SKUs, the units that you add, it's just another cost and we're not big enough yet. It's a dream. Yeah. I want to do it so badly. <laughs> it's, 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 it's nice to get feedback where it's like pushing the vision forward, but it's like, how do I maintain focus? 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We want to do it all. We just can't yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then talking about um, a little bit more with play out, because you have a background like we brought up uh, before with editing and like videos and freelancing in some regards, like how are you positioning storytelling and like mm -hmm. creative editing, especially yep. on social to appeal to people? Because it's so it's so amazing. Like you just brought up you're doing stories and you're interviewing some of the people in your community, which is like a Nike S thing to do instead of just like mm. posting about this is our apparel. Yeah, I mean, just posting this is our apparel never, never even occurred to us, right? Because who we are is our community. Um, mm. But, you know, your question is also really specific to like a marketing perspective and brand mm. storytelling, right? And this brings me to one of my favorite topics, um, which is to bring up my, my co-founder, E, again, right? So, you know, E and I actually, we did a, there's a platform called Workin, and they're really cool, and it's a mentoring platform. And they interviewed us. We did a conversation about how do you find a co-founder? How do you find a business partner? Um, and luckily, you know, E and I were friends before we were business partners, but the only reason that that works is because of our communication, um, because of our commitment to the greater vision. And I, I, you know, this is my baby, this is my idea, and E joined me as a co-founder, but I was talking to them and I was like, I, I really appreciate having someone else to contribute their own ideas, to, bounce my ideas off of, make sure I'm not insane. Um, and also to have a skill set or things that they enjoy that maybe I don't enjoy, right? And so mm. I was saying to them, this is my skill set. My skill set is definitely sort of financial models, business focus, logistics, operations. Personally, I hate social media. <laughs> Like I am allergic to it. I don't want to use it. I, you know, yeah. E has forced me to have a personal um, Instagram account that I haven't updated since June. Um, so, so things like that. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the storytelling and storm, in terms of the brand story and the creative direction, that's their wheelhouse. But this is like why you surround yourself or you build your business with people that share your vision and, have their own skill set. I was working last week in spreadsheets and E hates spreadsheets. And it, and I I wouldn't say I enjoy it, but I was just like sit down. I'm going to sit down for 2 hours. I ended up doing 4 hours of work and I enjoyed it. And then E was talking to me about our brand marketing approach on Pinterest and they were spending 2 hours in Pinterest the day before and I was feeling physically nauseous. <laughs> I was like, I yeah. hate social media. And I said to them afterwards, I said, you know, I love this conversation and I appreciate you. I have so much gratitude for E. And I said this to them, you know, I told them because we allow each other to focus on what we not only are good at, but also enjoy doing. Like E would have hated being in spreadsheets. They cannot stand them. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 That's 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 really really insightful because I, I remember when I first started learning more about you. One of the things you used to talk about a lot is having your friend as a co-founder and how to navigate that. 
but it's so nice for you to talk about like complementing one's strengths and weaknesses. I think that's huge. And I love how the topic of communication keeps coming up because I mean, that's just like a major pillar to life, but especially uh, business and what with you're doing, you have to communicate really this like important category to others. And it's what we just talked about, like eliminating all expectations and assumptions. I was going to ask again with having, how many people do you have on the team? So really exciting, Um, but um, (laughs) it's, it's, me and E as the co-founders. And then September 1st, we brought in John as our COO. And so he, mm. the three of us are full-time and John is amazing. He's now part of the family. Um, he was, we met him through our PR and social media manager. So we, we, there's three of us full-time in the company and then we have three and a rotating cast of freelancers, right? So Mm. our PR manager, um, Drew, has been friends with John for 20 years and introduced us and we were like kismet, like it was magic. We love him very much. Um, And so so that's really amazing. And him coming on, it's, it's about what I always say about starting a business is it's always time versus money, right? Like, if you don't have the money to hire someone to do something, you have to put the time in to learn how to do it and do it yourself, right? If you have the mm. money, then you don't need to learn, you don't need to spend the time, right? Um, and so in a startup, I'm sure you experience this, this as well, Anthony, but um, the three of us full time each do basically four people's jobs, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Figuring yeah. it out, just like you talked about. Yeah. Fucking figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So he, but him coming on has given me the bandwidth to spend my time fundraising and doing sort of big Mm. business development. Right. Um, And so, so it's the three of us and then, then Drew and then another freelancer who manages our um, Facebook and our paid digital advertising strategy, because there's a lot of data analysis that goes into that. um, And we're not technical co-founders right (laughs) um and then we have it's really great because interns and part-time freelancers that we've had come on have actually found us um and so one of our current freelancers that you'll see um on our social media and he hosts conversations etc sent us an email to our info and said, here's my resume. Um, I'm a you know queer trans fashion designer and I really like your brand and I would love to work with you. And so we talked to him and you know we love him. <laughs> so <laughs> that's yeah, exciting, so you know. It confirms not- that we're that we're building a community and that people mm-hmm. people come to us. They want to work for us, right? That's huge. Well, you're attracting that energy as well, but it's it's like as simple as that. Just ask, like just offer, just bring some Absolutely. value. But that's that's amazing to hear. And it seems like things are falling into place in that sector. So I won't ask this question within a team because I was going to ask like an important thing when communicating within a team sphere. But since you just brought up fundraising, when you go on fundraising tours, like that is a, a, a exhausting thing. I know plenty of friends... I have a friend we just interviewed. They just raised three million, and then I have another friend going out on tour. It's like concert, right? Like entrepreneurs, like rock stars right now. Um, 
it's not it doesn't the, behind the scenes is harder but he's gonna raise and i was gonna ask when talking to investors you talked about how it's like relationship based don't seem salesy mm-hmm. but like what's mm-hmm. an important communication maybe in one one thing or like a bullet formed way of uh when communicating with investors like what's most important to prioritize and like really keep top of tongue you can say um i think that the most important thing is your authentic why why -hmm. building this business is important for you why you're doing it why you're building it for the community or the customers why they need it um that's the most important because if you don't know that for yourself then your investors won't believe in you or they won't believe that what you're building is is important or necessary for anyone else right um and that goes a little bit to you know what you mentioned about the initial investors in warby parker right um so communicating your why yeah yeah and it's so funny because your financial background or you have expertise in that you're adept with that spreadsheet like (laughs) and many would think like that's a top pillar but it's so nice to hear that it's about that why mm-hmm. and that's like the underlying of everything even investors who people are just looking to get their roi it's all about that because it feels like as though frederick nietzsche's point of like anyone who has a why can endure anyhow mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so you're like yeah, walking and, through and that. if you have the why then you figure it out right and mm. something about financials like you know i don't for the business taxes for example right like QuickBooks can automate your accounting and whatever. It is worth investing in whatever the monthly fee is for QuickBooks, right? Or some service to help you, right? Because you're gonna waste more time doing it manually and maybe doing it wrong, right? Um, So this is the time versus money question. Um, But so things like financials, you you learn it over, over time or you find someone you trust that can either help you, you can pay them, or they can join you in that way, right? And so definitely when you're talking to investors, you need to know your financials, right? But it's something that you can you can build and you can work on. Because you can have the best financials ever, but if you don't have the why behind it, then you're not gonna, it's not gonna be fun. You're not gonna be committed to doing it. I, I honestly, you know, in the past, it's a pandemic. We're all tired. There's a lot of, I call them pandemic waves of grief, right? Like I talked to a lot of founders and, and we're like, I was so productive yesterday, or I was so motivated last week. And then this week I hit a wall because it's not simply working from home, right? It's working from home in a crisis. And even if, you know, I don't have kids, I don't have all of that which is an added layer to balance. Even if you don't have that, there's this stressful energy, right? Um, and I and I really am grateful. You know, I sometimes step back and have a moment where I say, it doesn't, sometimes it does, but a lot of the time work doesn't feel like work to me because I so deeply believe in what I'm doing and I enjoy it and I enjoy my co-founder and my COO and my team. I feel supported by them. Um, they feel supported by me, I hope, right? It's all about communication. So I don't feel like yeah. work is tedious. I, I feel really grateful to enjoy what I do. Yeah, that's really well said. 
I I resonate with all of that, and that's definitely worthwhile for those listening. And to the point of like a personal way of balancing those pandemic waves of grief and just in general, because you're someone who goes um, very much at a fast pace and you're and you're growing your own thing. How do you maintain um, that pace? Like, do you have routines in place to be uh, mm-hmm. like a shot of rejuvenation within you? Like, what are your little um, go to's and best practices for that on the day to day? Yeah. So unfortunately, as a personal trainer, you know, in non-pandemic times, um, I definitely um, had a weightlifting routine. I mean, I I am a morning person. I'd wake up at 6.30 and go to the gym, right? Even though I work for myself. So I don't have to be in an office at nine, right? But, but in the pandemic, that's not the case, right? So what I, you know, I tend to wake up at 7.30 or 8 and, and I do... Uh, 30 minutes of, of stretching or 30 to 45 minutes of stretching or yoga. Um, but it's, mm. it's hard, you know, I, I'm not a, I am a gym person. I like leaving my house. I don't think gyms are going to go away. You know, everyone's like, what is the future of, of gyms and group classes and whatever? Like, it's nice. To, it's motivating to leave your house and go somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and I, I'm not unique. I am not motivated to work out in my apartment. Um, so I what to answer your question, though, how do I maintain the spaces? Practicing kindness it during this pandemic time, it should mm. be practiced all the time, right? But kindness towards myself, Love right? That. Like, get up, start, you know, if you can only do 10 minutes of yoga, do 10 minutes of yoga every day, right? Um, I do have a little morning ritual of um, making myself a coffee. And I I read a lot. It sounds like you read a lot as well. So I do spend a minimum usually of an hour starting my day reading um, entrepreneurship, small business, startup, articles right leadership articles um on harvard business review or entrepreneur.com or fast company or whatever and industry as well right fashion articles gen z uh gender neutral design etc and i'll spend an hour or two sometimes in this focus on kindness if my brain is like i don't want to learn something i'll read a fiction story, short story, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. But I read a lot. I consume a lot, right? And so then after I like, I have my morning, I eat breakfast, and then I sit down and clear out emails, and then have meetings or start work. Mm. That's really powerful. I I agree with the kindness point. I really, really do, Uh, especially on like, reflection level internally. I'm so glad you brought up books too. What is, I don't want to say favorite book, but say like Christmas just came around. Like what, what is, what is a book you would gift the most because it's impacted you greatly? Oh, that I would gift to other people. Like for a Christmas gift. Um, Cause I know I can ask a question of like, what's your favorite book or like what's your yeah. favorite entrepreneurship book. But like, yeah, what do you think you can recommend? Yeah, I mean, I, I recommend a lot based on people's personalities, right? But one of the True. books that um, 
is is really maybe it's a childhood thing, right? My father, one of my father's favorite books, uh, one of the most imp impactful books for me was *The Phantom Tollbooth* by Norton Jester. If you've never mm. read it, I recommend it. As an adult, <laughs> I think it's less it's less impactful. Like it's whole, it holds an important part for me because of you know my father and when I read it. Um, and also, I recommend it to any of my friends with with kids, right? I'm like, you have to read this and share it with your child um, because the it's from the 1960s. It's a young adult novel. Um, the main character, Milo, is a latchkey kid and he comes home from school one day and there's um, a toll booth, like a magical toll booth in his, in his bedroom. Mm -hmm. And he gets in his little toy car and he drives through it. And he ends up in the, uh, land of expectations where he has to go on a quest to rescue the princesses of rhyme and reason because they have been banished to the castle in the sky by their fathers the kings uh one is the king of dictionopolis who says that words are more important than numbers and the other is the king of digitopolis who says that numbers are more important than words so they've been fighting wow. and they've banished the princesses so anyways um it's just it's very witty there's a lot of play on words um you know it's i love a great, that yeah, yeah yeah i i i'm i'm trying to read fiction more too and with that added element of like a symbolic meaning and like a little more like self-development in a way that's uh i'm putting that on the list for sure <laughs> yeah it's really just a very sweet book um in terms yeah. of like adult adult novels you know I tend to, I usually read one business book, one book of poetry and one novel at a time. I try to, I try to read a novel before bed. I read a business book in the morning sometimes and I read poetry, you know, when I can. Um, and I read a lot of work in translation um, because 95% of world literature is not written in English. <laughs> um, and so, so in terms of contemporary authors, there's a press called Archipelago Press that has beautiful mm. editions and translations of international work. So, yeah. Good resource. That's awesome. Yeah. Love that. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I love the, the point of books. I could talk on books all day, but a thing I would love to circle back with and have you um talk about more so and give you a little like space to just present your own thing um mm -hmm. i love to give room and now that i know you better uh it would make sense but if what what do you think is a top of mind learning or realization or something that's really important that you want to talk on or now that like i said i know you better something you wish i asked you um that you <laughs> want, want to bring about now <laughs> um I don't know. That's such a that's such an open ended question. Um, I think that, you know, when you and I met and we spoke a little bit about what we wanted to talk about here for other people, um, what really excites me is this this feeling of acceptance um, and talking about previously taboo or difficult. I think difficult conversations and difficult topics are really, really important. Um, so I finally feel like there's certain things in the LGBTQ plus community that are really difficult or that we've been fighting for for many years, you know, 
before I was an adult, people were fighting for this. And I, I, I'm really excited. I feel like people 10 years younger than me are more accepting, are forcing these conversations, are open to talking about them. And that's where society is moving. And so speaking to you is, is really exciting because I, I don't feel like I have to educate because <laughs> it's, it's tiring and it's true yeah. of, you know, it's true of um, the emotional work that you have to do when you're of a minority group, right? So I specifically think of the burden of um, anti-racism work and education that gets put on people of color and black people. Um, and it's like, no, we need, as, as a white person, I need to be doing that myself, right? And so it's the same thing. Like I have a, a large capacity for communicating and for holding space for people. That's what it is, is, is holding space I for people. That. I um, love that, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I, I, in terms of what I, my experience and what I'm knowledgeable in as a queer woman, I'm, I personally am happy to talk to people and to hold that space, but not everyone has that capacity. So when you are curious or when you do, when someone does have a difficult question even something they're just curious about, right? In communication, assess your audience, right? And sometimes something that, if we're talking about communication, something that I like to, to ask people if I have a question is, you know, maybe they'll come to me, they're upset about something. And one of my first questions is always, are you looking for advice or are you just looking for someone to listen? Yeah. Number one. And number two, you know, when, when, when I go to someone and I want to ask them a difficult question, right. Um, I might say, you know, do you have the bandwidth for this right now? Because it's totally okay if you don't. Um, and I have a, mm. I have a friend who I love dearly, um, who comes to me with really difficult, um, she's white, cisgendered straight woman and she comes to me with some really difficult questions about the lgbtq plus community or about um being trans or you know experiencing the world in that way and they're really hard questions and they're really exhausting and she comes to me and says why are people getting really really angry at me why don't they want to talk to me and i said you know not everyone has the bandwidth or the capacity to do this. I am happy to, at the moment, I'll tell you if I don't have the bandwidth capacity time, um, but please feel safe coming to me. But you need to check mm. in with yourself and with other people for sure. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of power in all that because setting the precedent of like, if someone wants to change or not, saves you the time and energy to actually give it. and. I love that. The other day I heard of like people giving unsolicited advice and like how to yeah. tell them, all right, I don't really need it at the moment, but that's, that's really good. And if there was one word I can use for like life itself at the moment, it would be acceptance. I think is a great yes. word in general to yeah. use. Just like acceptance of the present, which keeps you in check with reality, which just keeps you in the moment. It's like, and then with you said with like your focus in particular, like acceptance of other people's ways there's a lot of there's a lot of gems in that. Um, yeah, 
Absolutely. But yeah, nonetheless, though, I'd love for people to give you value as you've given them value. Like what's the best place people can follow or support or. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you can check out our website. Um, It's playoutapparel.com. We sell underwear, athleisure. One of the really cool things is all of our prints are actually paintings that E does, my co-founder does, that we then digitize and print on the fabric. So you'll find some really, really cool designs. Um, And so yeah, playoutapparel.com. And then on all the socials, um, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Pinterest is Playout Apparel, and Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is at Playout NYC. Mm, awesome. Love it. Yeah. Love everything yeah. here. I appreciate the time so much. Thank it's you. been amazing talking to you. I'm so glad we connected finally. <laughs> Thanks so <laughs> exactly. much for having me. You got it.